Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Yeah, I am so excited. As usual, as, as usual. usual. Well, I walk around in a state of quasi-excitement, but it, yeah. it, it took a lot to get me excited today because uh, yesterday I lost my beloved Chooch. Oh, uh, yes. He, he has transitioned, and uh, it's heartbreaking. But today I am uh, doing the Max and Tony show with Azar Usman. Thank you, Azar. Man. Or as you oh, may know him you. better uh, from watching Patriot, Kimon. Or you might have seen his that's stand right, up. Mate. That's right, mate. Yeah. Kimon speaks a British accent, though. Exactly. Uh, so I'm not yeah. sure you want me you know, when I first saw, when, You know, when I first saw the show, we had never met. We never had a scene together. That's right. I thought you were a Brit. That's how yeah. I. That's how I heard you were looking for me. I I heard on 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 not on set, but um, just kind of at the hotel, and like somebody was like, "Hey, yeah. did you talk to Tony Fitzpatrick yet?" And I was like, "About what?" And they're like, "Oh, he's looking for you. He wants to meet you." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." Yeah. I'm like, "About what?" Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> do I owe, do I owe money? Do, <laughs> yeah. Does he owe me money? What? And at that time, I would have been more scared if I knew you were a former boxer and right, had right. been to prison and stole yeah, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like such like, a gangster. But um, the, yeah, I thought you were you were British. British yeah. said, so then, no, man, he's from Chicago. <laughs> yeah. He's a stand-up. His well, name is AZ, and it's like... <laughs> That's so cool. And then I, yeah. you realize I'd heard of you in stand-up circles. I, I'd never seen... Uh, I've never seen your stand-up I'm act. like a ghost, man, in, in show business and in stand-up. I know, but, uh, you know, the whole time we were shooting over in Paris, you had gigs over in Brussels, and, <laughs> right, right. you know... Yeah. Yeah, Michael Connell was telling us he he went over to Brussels with you. And he goes, "I ate shit." Yeah, and he says, "Azar killed it." Azar uh, killed it. Well, in fairness to him and me, first of all, he's exaggerating. I, I did not have a good show that night. Okay, it was okay, really. But it was also my show, so I invited him to come out. And then I said, hey, "You want to do some time?" And he opened he opened the show up. Right. On. And by the way, he actually did great. He's just being fake. He's very. He seems very, like he's so hard funny. on his. He's very uh, hard. His on act. So funny. Dude, that yeah. guy is amazing. He's a funny. He's hilarious. He's he hilarious, is. dude. Yeah. You, you ever seen? the videos <laughs> of his his videos no yeah, well, no no Asian babies the music has, like, videos oh, his, videos oh too. the insane ones too. I've, crazy, I've already heard the Asian song babies. Asian babies I've never oh my God. seen a video okay I have to check it out yeah I mean he's, <laughs> he, and then there's one song he just sings in a language he made up and it's, it's yeah. you're, yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah. at he's a man that you think he's a very inventive comic yeah, yeah you're looking <laughs> a at fan, a man who you think is completely he's awesome. stepped off the fucking curb man you know? well during season uh, two we I was talking to Steve and I was like man Azar is a great find man he goes yeah and uh, for his part we looked all over yeah. the world I'm like what I go yeah all over the, he said all over the world he yeah. said all over the world well that makes me feel better because I, I was telling you guys a story the other night yeah about you know look I just said it a moment ago okay I'm a kind of a ghost in show business sure. and I have built a very indie underground stand-up yeah. stand comedy career yeah. okay? and I've managed to do a lot of stuff around the world and tour and get to work with some of my idols and all that but I'm I'm basically unknown as you, far as show business yeah, goes yeah but you know what other comics know you 
Yeah, yeah comics know me. Yeah, you know, because I've talked to a couple of them, and they, yeah, they're like, "There's this guy from Chicago who goes by AZ." I said, "I know him." <laughs> yeah, no, and that's funny. Look at me, like, you, uh, how do you know? Well, like, you're an artist, man. So you, well, you I'm know on this a thing. Television show with the man myself. <laughs> well, you've, and they're like, you've Amazon opened, is not television. You've opened yeah. for like <laughs> legends, man. You've opened for yeah, Chappelle. Yeah, to work with my uh, idols, man. Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. I, I yeah, the great Mitch Hedberg. Hedberg. Yeah, may he rest in peace. I toured with wow. Russell Peters. I'm oh, touring man. with Hassan Minhaj right now. You, okay, you ever yeah. worked with Mooney, with Paul Mooney? Paul Mooney. I never worked with him, but I, um, genius, I've been at shows man. that he was yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, friends of mine were on the show, so I, I've met him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who was just like a freak of nature, you know? <clears throat> you're in his presence, and you're just like, wow. Like, the, the comedy that came out of this guy's mind. Exactly. I mean, this, I was, guy, I was this guy wrote for Pryor. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I was in awe, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, as a young man, uh, Pryor was the guy. He kind of owned all of it. Him and George Carlin, those were my Yeah, I mean, they're considered heroes. the two... They're probably by unanimous. They're consensus. kind of the Rosetta Stone of the last half of the twentieth century. Here's here's the way I'll put it: the, in, Lenny Bruce and then then. Yeah, well, here's what know. here's the way I'll put it. Right, it's like in in the field of stand-up comedy, in the in the art and in, in among the community of artists that are associated with this art form. Um, Nobody would deny the role of Dick Gregory or Lenny Bruce or others as far yeah. as the creating the creation of the craft. Yeah. But as far as the two comics that have influenced more comedians and have left the most lasting imprint on the personality of this art form, stand-up comedy, yeah. there's just no denying it's Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Yeah. They've just influenced fundamentally the whole craft. Yeah. And I would I, I would also argue Chris Rock. Well, Chris, but, so, Rock, but Chris Rock is to me like there's no rock without without Pryor. Right, so he's he's just Absolutely. a he's just a descendant. Yeah, but the the, ori the original, you know, early the masters, on, early on, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, well, I think it went. Yeah. I think it kind of went Williams. Cosby. Yeah, Cosby. No, we can mention you know, we can we mention great Murphy. comics, but my point yeah. was about influence. Yeah, absolutely. Richard Pryor absolutely. and Dick, and, and in fact, every single name you just mentioned, the, their uh, Pryor and and Carlin influence is all over them. Yeah. There's no yeah. Eddie Murphy without Richard Pryor. Yeah, there's no I think Chris Rock without I think Richard there's Pryor. no Robin Williams without Jonathan Winters. Who yeah, yeah, Jonathan Winters is a comedic genius. 100%, you know? I agree. Yeah. But again, one of those things where, see, I like those kinds of comedy. Like Mort Saul to me is incredible, man. Doesn't get, he's guy's still alive and yeah. doesn't get any kind of respect that he deserves yeah. for the fact that he is he's, one he's of the like principal 90, architects. 91 or 92. I mean, he yeah. was one of the and guys who used to perform here at Mr. Kelly's. You would go on stage with a newspaper. Yeah. So he was f talking about yeah. fake news before anybody. Yeah. Okay, he was deconstructing <laughs> before the news. Before we started living it. Yeah, before know? we started yeah, living yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, you know, all of this political commentary, news-based comedy, all the, you know, uh, John Oliver and The Daily Show yeah, yeah. and Samantha Bee and Colbert. By the way. They're I'm, all I'm, biting, in a sense, absolutely. or at least they're influenced heavily by the fact that Mort Saul was the first guy who was like, yo, the news is bullshit. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to get on stage and it's with also, the And it's also a great thing to mine comedy from. 100%. You know, I mean, there's nothing yeah. funnier than- <laughs> It's telling us about ourselves. <laughs> the juxtaposition of the incongruent in the news, you know, I mean- uh, I mean, right now we're we're through we're through the looking glass, you know. You know the whole idea of this is what I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of years. You know, the election and everything else, but like mm -hmm. the idea of news mm -hmm. is a weird idea. 
because yeah, it's yeah. it's based on the notion that um, you know. It always depends on who it's news to. Yeah. You know what I National mean. National news is very weird to me because. <laughs> well, well, hold on. What do you mean by that? Who's the news? Yeah, right, right. Like a lot of people yeah, hear it, they're like, I, mean, I already like, do that. Right. Like, it's not news to me. Like, like people of color in this in this country <laughs> have been experiencing. <laughs> right, right, right. All of this, uh, you know, degradation and uh, segregation and subjugation for centuries. That's right. And now, you know, all of a sudden, white people have just kind of woken up to it. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, they're woke now. Privilege. Oh, there's yeah. definitely a phone. Yeah, so what changed? Right, so the question is, what changed? And what changed is Facebook videos. Facebook videos, and you know what? Millennials. The attitude will shift. Do not let their parents or those who came before them off the hook for on their the bullshit. question of wow. privilege. Wow, that's a great insight. Yeah. You're right. And then you know what? And it's it's sometimes hard to be able to. You know, suck all that in and take responsibility for it. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the last decade, I've come to realize what a head start I had just skin privilege, just being born a white male, you know. And uh, so you're one of those pe- white people who just woke up and left. <laughs> um, ten year, ten year, I'm, I'm, you are an example of what you were describing yeah, a moment ago. I think, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, phony thank well, you for I mean, admitting that. Yeah, I, I think, I, uh, you know, I've never hosted any bigotry in me but there's stuff that you become that you're so unaware of that other people have to live with all the time and yeah when you get uh, called out on this who you are culturally you can always say well I didn't have any choice I didn't know this I didn't know that well you know why didn't you you know, I mean, it was happening around you. Right. You had to you read had a book. Have, yeah. yeah, yeah. That I mean, the, you the, had to be someone. When I became a parent, of it, yeah. and I've and, and I've, uh, I, I think now it's very incumbent upon me and very important to take responsibility for being a lot more aware of that. I don't walk around saying I'm awoke. You know, it's right. like that's kind of a bullshit term. You right. know, it's like. Um, I tell people, like, I've been woke so long, I need a nap. <laughs> no, you were, you were kind of born woke. I mean, I can't, yeah. imagine what it, I can't imagine what it's like being uh, a Muslim, growing up in America, and uh, having to deal with the post-9-11 world. I mean, what, must, what was it like for you to walk? Uh, well, I feel like um, I'm 42. Yeah. So when that happened, 2001, I was 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in, seven, in December of 75. Okay. And um, so as a 25 year old, you're, you're 26. 26. Yeah, so you yes, can yeah. imagine around the, where yeah. you're at stage wise, life wise. Now I was also married. I had a mm-hmm. son who was born. No, sorry. He was my. He was born right after 9/11, like January okay. 02. Okay. First so time. you've got grown kids, though. Well, he's 16. I mean, he's that kind of yeah, He drives yeah. a car. Yeah. And he's got a beard. So he, <laughs> he looks like a man. So. And, yeah. and you said you were doing comedy in 2000? So yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was, do, I was just new that. in stand-up, and yeah. then this happens. But here's what I want to say was, so, so obviously there's no denying or, you know, overstating the impact that an event like 9-11 obviously had on the world, had yeah. on politics, had on culture, had on all of us. Mm-hmm. And I will also add to that, you know, as far as being a Muslim in America mm-hmm. and kind of living through that, that at those after effects, I can tell you that I felt prepared because I had also lived through the Salman Rushdie affair. Mm. And I had lived yeah. through the Gulf War part one, right. you know, the, pre- yeah. the prequel. And I had lived through Bosnia. 
you know, when I was yeah. a teenager. Yeah. And these were all flashpoints where the news was so obsessed with, you know, Islam and Muslim Muslims, yeah. and there was a backlash during the Gulf War. I remember being told to go back to where you came from and all that shit when yeah. Gulf War Part One happened. So I kind of felt like my life had prepared me. You were kind of ready to be an ambassador. Yeah, I, I went into ambassador mode. Yeah, and I mm -hmm. actually quit stand up for several months because there was so much community hysteria, and there were mm -hmm. Muslim organizations that I was, you know, loosely affiliated with or involved with. But they were like, "Yo, we need spokespeople. We need people to just go into churches, synagogues, uh -huh. libraries, mosques, candlelight vigils, and just calm people down and be a friendly representative from our community because people are freaking the fuck out." You know, I went to Istanbul in uh, 2012 because I, I got sick of hearing the constant tape loop of they hate us for our freedom uh, they, you know like we're the only ones who have freedom you know everybody's got fucking freedom a whole yeah. bunch of nations besides us have freedom you know fuck you that's bullshit and then they're like they hate us I went to uh, Istanbul because uh, it was 95% Muslim so I figured I'd stand stood a pretty good chance of meeting some Muslims, you know, <laughs> and um, there were all of these assumptions that were just absolute uh, bullshit. I mean, I'd never walked into a mosque until I'd gone to Istanbul. I went to the Blue Mosque, and I liked it so much. I went to the Green Mosque. I went to the Hagia Sophia, yeah. you know, and um, all of these preconceived notions like uh, I, I didn't know really anything about the Quran I didn't know anything about Islam and I found out that you know Jesus is a prophet in Islam you know he's one of the prophets and you and I bonded over that Steve Earl song yeah, yeah. oh exactly <laughs> you know and he says hello by the way oh my I'm god the speak. fact that Steve yeah. Earl knows who what? I am yeah what he's song is a this? huge honor uh, to me. just an American boy oh right on just right on yeah. an American yeah. boy yeah and uh you get, yeah you guys he are still like, plays it too and I mean he he did it absolutely at a time when that song you had to have real balls oh that guy yeah, oh, yeah I had so much respect are you kidding me yeah yo I I became obsessed with his career. Actually, I, I was like, this guy is amazing. I've done that's twenty awesome. album covers. That's I'm unbelievable. Doing the next yeah. one, that's so know, cool to me, man. Uh, yeah, to me, he's like a musical genius, and also a guy who I cannot help but have so much respect for the fact that yeah. the way he navigated again show business, yeah. decisions and Absolutely, moves that he made man. to keep I mean, his music independent. He's also true artist. He also true artist, not, man. Yeah. Would not play into this bullshit nationalism. Um, you know, these other guys uh, were always, well, we're going to kick their ass and this and that. He would not do that. He's a, you know, he's a stone pacifist. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is a full-on kind of genuine hippie, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I you, remember. You make, can, can I share one thing when you were saying about the Istanbul? Because this mm -hmm. is reminding me of something, that this experience I've had as I've traveled the world, which has given me more perspective on... Um, um, Wait, how important is that too to travel? Oh my God, it's it one of completely the most yeah. eradicates oh. ignorance. Well, well like we were that, saying, yeah. the news it gets you away from that cycle, especially Amen. from America's yes. news cycle. No shit. So. I mean, the it's whole very time refreshing. We were, the whole time me and Max were in Paris, we didn't watch one fucking newscast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, just go outside. <laughs> yeah, and, and and see interact with the culture. Every yeah. Yeah. Well, they every say that traveling, kind of person. Yeah, they say you know? traveling expands your soul. 
Absolutely. Because yeah. it forces you to encounter people who see the world totally differently than you, but they're still human beings. And many, t- many times wonderful, yeah. beautiful, sweet, kind, good human beings. And so that requ- that forces a person now to kind of reconcile, like, well, wait a second. They see the world totally different, yeah. but they're super wonderful and dope. So guess what? There must be other ways to see the world. And that just has this effect of just growing you as a human being. You met Mohammed Bazenga, the guy who worked at uh, Renaissance Republic. Yes, yes. He, we, we had dinner with him the last night oh, he, nice. he worked. And, He's uh, such a sweet man, yeah. Uh, yeah. That whole and, staff and, was beautiful. Yeah, really yeah, beautiful yeah. And, uh, and um, you know, he, he gave us uh, kind of a, just a keyhole look into what it was like growing up uh, a Muslim in, in Paris. Paris. Because there was a huge Muslim community. Yeah, there. and there's a lot of tension there. And, and yes, yeah, but, but here, here's, here's what I want to say: though. as a Chicagoan, yeah, traveling the rest of the world, okay, and then kind of wearing these two hats because I'm a Muslim in America, and then I leave the country and I'm a Chicagoan in yeah. whatever in Denmark or in India or Pakistan or yeah. Saudi Arabia or whatever, and then when people hear I'm from looking Chicago, looking for a red hat. <laughs> <laughs> Deep dish pizza. They can't make Where's the Giordano's? Yeah. So, so, so when, when I when I get to these places, right, and then oh, so where are you from? Oh, you're American. Where are you from? I'm from Chicago. The stereotypes. Al Capone, bang yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, no, literally the Michael stereotypes, Jordan. the fear, the propaganda. Uh, all yeah, they hear uh, about is Chicago. People are getting murdered in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, how you live in Chicago? People yeah. are shooting people in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Do you have a gun? Yeah. How do you live in Chicago? So the the the, the I, I got to see the other side of the yeah. coin. Go back to Chicago. <laughs> go, shoot someone yeah. with the gun. Why don't you go back to where you came from? We don't want the violence in India. <laughs> so, so 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 this is the 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 flip of like wait a second. So it's the same thing. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, absolutely. So people yeah. perceive that they you know you went to Turkey thinking oh my god. All this propaganda. They were fascinated that I was from Chicago. It's like, I, yeah. and they were like, "Yeah, that's it. Al Capone. Yeah, he, he didn't fuck around. You know, yeah. they respect I mean, people like that." Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, our driver was this lovely guy named Ali. You yeah. know, and he had like five kids. His wife was a nurse and just about to toss him. And uh, every day he'd stop for some apérol, a couple of paratifs. You know, mm-hmm. he goes. I'm a bad Muslim. I only prayed twice today. I drink, you know. <laughs> and I was kind of amazed that everybody I met was just absolutely thrilled to meet me and lovely and share. You know, when we went into the mosque, people were like, you've never been to a mosque, right? And I said, no, I've never been to one. You know, in, in America, you know, I don't know why I haven't. I don't know why I haven't visited uh, Miriam or uh, there's a great big one up by up north. You know, there's a bunch of mosques, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, you're you're welcome to go if you. Of course, look yeah. Like me, right? I mean, well, you are and you're not. Okay, because here's the yeah. weird thing. Well, right? you don't go during prayers. I know that. No, no. You, the thing is, it, it's so weird because it's like <laughs> this is so universal, but it's like. The mosque is just a building, right? Yeah. It's the people that you happen to encounter on any given day Absolutely. who are going to influence your experience. Yeah. And sadly, there is there there is a, 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 a strain of thought within Muslim communities that is very isolationist and very, like, 
no, we got to just do our own thing and we got to protect ourselves from the corrupting influence of the of the mm. modern American society. Well, we, you know, we like got the, the same thing. In that. The, we got the same thing with American Christians. Yeah, as, you know? yeah. Muslim oh, totally. It's, it's, you know, when people judge Muslims that way, I tell them, you know, that's like judging all Christians by the activities of the Westboro Baptist Church <laughs> right. or those assholes who were marching through... Um, uh, Charlotte with uh, the Tiki Charlottesville, right. yeah, Charlottesville, yeah. those douchebags. Yeah, yeah. that's li- it's literally a, a problem of of propaganda and representation, because ultimately and the, fear. We have a guy. But the fear that, is is is, yeah. is is basically cultivated by and it's 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 just you know pouring more fuel on that. Absolutely, by it's constant in, it's media domination. Yeah, which no. is back to my original point about the news being weird. Yeah, because <laughs> I've been thinking about how like. <clears throat> You know, the whole concept of news is predicated on the notion that there's some information that mm-hmm. we should all know. Yeah. Right? So the question becomes... Like okay, what today, Hurricane Florence. We all know that North Carolina and South Carolina are, are going to get pounded by a hurricane. Right. Okay. So we all know that now because of news. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a time where... Either A, we would just not know that, even though there was TVs and yeah. but there was yeah. no internet, right? So there was local news reporting it down in North Carolina. We'd be sitting here in Chicago on a beautiful September, whatever, mm-hmm. afternoon and would not even be aware. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe that's, that is important news. That Maybe that's news worth knowing. That's a whole other oh, discussion. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But there's the, the vast majority of what is news these days is go to Google News, pull up the Google News you know, page right now. Yeah. And then look at all the headlines. It's like 99% of them have absolutely nothing to do with my life. Yeah. Yeah. They impact me in exactly zero ways. Yeah. They, I would rather honestly not know that these things are happening. You know, Kim, the fact that Kim Kardashian is depressed every day that she has a big ass was, uh, was on the front cover of the Apple news thing. Like, was it really? Two days ago. Yeah. And she's going to therapy about it. And like, she's why, why do I know that? about her ass. Yeah, why, why, why should I know that? Isn't that kind of why she's famous? She's got a big ass? All of those things. Why, why do I need to know any of that? Why like, do I, I don't care about Here's a better question. Who really gives a fuck about the Kardashians? I sure don't. I'm I, saying who gives know? a fuck about 99% of the shit that is on the news? Yeah. 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 I, I don't care. You know, like, it's just a, it is a vortex. And now it's become a never ending because every day in every moment we're making content right now. You know what now. I look at yeah. every yeah. You're you know right. what I we're look at every morning. Just into the vortex of exactly. never ending minutia. Yeah. But I'm saying the the exponential rate at which every second x number of hours of YouTube content is being uploaded, yeah. y number of uh, hours of audio content are going to it is an insane. We're it's like we're living in an insane asylum, being run by the inmates. Yeah, that's wow. the internet. And we're all stuck in this world now. And I think we're better off with the inmates running it than institutions and governments. So. I'm just saying that it's, <laughs> I don't know who should be running it. I'm just saying that yeah. this is what it feels like to me. Like, you, you, you fuck with Bill Hicks, the comedian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Bill Hicks is a special sane man. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's a work of art. And the kind of the last sane man in a weird way, you know? What's that? He was kind of the last sane man in a way. The last way. sane, yeah. Well, well, I, I, well, I bring that up because I a feel A moralist often, and, uh, and the funniest guy I ever heard. I, I feel know? sometimes like maybe I'm another sane man because I do feel very much like yeah. this is insanity, man. We're yeah. living, we're, we yeah. have become insane. Yeah. Modern life is insane. Oh, I see it. I we see just it. need to consume content and just 
discarded at this But also, the, we're rate, so addicted rate. to like the outrage, too. We're just waiting yeah. to just join up Be in a pissed pack off about and, something. and get yeah, our, it's and get all our pitchforks and, and yeah. kill someone. That's what I've come to realize. Absolutely. It's all ego. Yeah. It's, no, it's no secret. It's no mystery why, mm-hmm. to me why it's called the iPad, the iPhone, yeah. mm. the iPod, the mm. iMac. <laughs> Let me tell you Jeez, about the right. wonder I get of it. me. I, you right. worship yourself. Yeah. Got it. And these Internet, social media, I, these platforms I are just to display yourself. Jeez, these identitarianism. It's that's the thing, man. You know Richard Spencer, right? Yeah, that asshole. Yeah. So he he the guy is brilliant. I mean, he's an asshole. I believe he's an asshole. Yeah. His I believe his ideas are wrong, mm-hmm. but he articulates his ideas very very uh, forcefully, passionately, well, and intelligently. You know, it's uh, and he's an identitarian. Yeah, and um, and the fact of the matter is he's diagnosed it because we're living in a time of identitarianism. Of course, and people are whether they know it or not, whether they say it or not. But the fact that he has to impress people who eat fucking gophers, you know, uh, uh, yeah, okay, you know that third syllable is a bitch for those motherfuckers, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, not just gophers, maybe a squirrel. He's a thought leader, man. To me, yeah. he's like you know, but, but but the point is, he, his voice is an important voice in American culture. Well, so whether is we Rand, like it or so not, so was Ayn Rand. They, yes, you know, they, but they are all merit to, serious investigations. Who sold? the whole generation of economists the idea of selfishness as a moral imperative you know it's like anybody who reads Iran and takes her seriously is like seriously fucked well I mean there's a bad writer who wound up on you know on welfare but but to me these are the thought leaders who have radically influenced the the modern culture the the default state of our culture is informed by a set of philosophical assumptions yeah. And by the way, when you peel wow. off, peel off, peel off, peel off all the layers, I've come to the conclusion that it's really just one thing. Okay, it is the we were talking about this in Paris. It's the distinction between, in philosophical terms, between modernism with a capital M, it's yeah. a philosophical point of view, and traditionalism with a capital T, it's a philosophical point of view. What is the difference? Modernism. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Modernism, which undergirds modern modernity and modern civilization, is a scientific, you know, sci- I would call it a scientism, not even science, scientism-obsessed worldview that is grounded in one basic starting assumption, which is what? Which is what we can know with certainty is real is matter. Yeah. And that which is comprehensible by the five senses and is subject to the scientific method of inquiry. So if we can know it through biology, through chemistry, through physics, then we assert as modern people, this is for sure real. And for modern man, the philosophical question is, well, is there a God? Is there a meaning? Is there a human soul? What happens to me after I die? These are relegated to philosophical notions. Whereas for traditional human beings, capital T, which is all of humanity for all of human recorded human history until this this aberration of the last 200 years, mm-hmm. all of human beings agreed that a starting point of understanding reality is, of course, there's a, a, yeah. a creator behind the universe. Of course, there's some power that's bigger than, of course, there's a soul. Of course, there's some, something happens to you after you die. The real philosophical question is, is this shit real? What the fuck are we doing here? We're... Animals floating on a ball in the middle of space yeah. right now, mm-hmm. grunting into sounds into yeah. a microphone that's going to go into a hard drive. It's going to go to a satellite buddy, and be streamed buddy. on a phone. Like you just accept yeah. all that as oh, that makes perfect sense. Hey, see, shut the fuck up, man. We're, we're monkeys with guns and money. <laughs> you know, that's like, you yeah. Know. How do you explain that? Is my yeah, point. I, I don't so without get it. without without a cogent explanation, 
You know, oh, it was just a, it was a big bang. It was some gas, and the world just made itself. Shut the fuck up, because <laughs> that that actually requires more faith than no, what I what I'm what I'm right, proposing. Right. Now, you, you, what people don't know about you from our, you know, from our podcast, we haven't told them yet is you're a practicing lawyer. You're an attorney. <laughs> I well, can't I imagine. I used to be. I, used to be. I, don't, I haven't practiced law since 2004. So I, I can't imagine you in a courtroom. <laughs> oh man! But I would love to see it. it. I would. I would love for you to like whip this last oh, five so minutes funny. out for a fucking judge. That's you hilarious. Know? Just turn his. You know that's just funny. Just turn his brain into fucking I was silly putty. Well, that's hilarious. I was practicing law very briefly and and very badly, and because <laughs> I didn't really care about it, but um. And I was de- I'm a decent lawyer. How'd you how'd you wind up being a lawyer? I mean, why would you, why would you where pick should, that? Where should we begin, man? Um, so my parents are from India. Oh man! I was born in Chicago. They, of course, would have loved to see me become a doctor. Tell me how they talked to you about becoming a lawyer. They well, they never talked to me about being. They wanted me to be a doctor. No shit, really. And I started college, um, you know, with the intention to do that, really just to make them happy. And also, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. So I went into college pre-med, like with the intention to be pre-med. There was no declaration of it or whatever. You were like off the charts smart as a kid, right? I, I mean, mean off the charts. And... Here, I'll answer that this way. I don't use the word smart. I use the word academically inclined. Okay, well, because we're going to tell you, you're the smartest motherfucker we've ever had on this show. <laughs> half of what you said, half of what you said, half of what yeah. you just said in the last 10 minutes, I'm going to have to go home and really, really think on I mean, I yeah. think I got it, but that's uh, a lot of I food for thought, I for sure. No, um, I, I, but, people get exhausted hanging out with me, man, because I get it now more and more, right? It's like, I, I to me, there's nothing else interesting to talk about, like... Yeah, I mean, like, how do people talk about sports? You're, you're, I want to understand how people give a fuck. Philosophical. I would I love baseball. I, don't, I'm try, I really am trying, man. I'm very being sincere. Like, I don't get how people get their emotional states affected by a game played by a bunch of adult humans yeah. who have multi-million-dollar contracts with a corporation. That corporate corporation exists for the purpose of generating money for right. its owners. We actually love. And there's a bunch of advertisers involved yeah. who are. What the fuck? Why is this? No, why, I, do you, why are you wearing a jersey? I, I, of another I ask grown myself, ass man. I ask myself that what the hell a lot. Are you talking though. about? Man? And I think I think the media can find ways in those games to create these dramatic moments and can get people to talk about them for as long as well, ever. Sports, like, sports are dramatic. Final. Sports are very dramatic. How about, how about when J.R. Smith primal primal tribal? Yeah. Instant. Yeah, this rah rah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, also yeah. feeds in. Yeah, but me, also like, that's feeds... exactly the point of like. Man, him and Pendulette would love each other. Oh, like, being a civilized yeah. human being sports. is about over, over, like transcending that very tribal idea. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I so know. this is a bizarre, you know, and I think that it actually this is divide. a Noam Chomsky take, but Noam Chomsky is like, yo, that is how we have such a jingoistic culture. Yeah. yeah, rah rah rah, home team. Yeah, yeah that's how we America. got fucked up. Yeah, because we were trained it's into us it them. from t- t- going crazy for your home team as yeah. a high school, as a mid- middle middle school student. Definitely. School spirit. Where are the school colors? What is a fucking gang? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. Just because I happen to geographically live in this neighborhood, I gotta rock this ridiculous like, yeah. and I gotta be down with this particular, you know, uh, what uh, yeah. mascot? Like you're talking right? to a man who owns I ten, the, ten white socks. <laughs> you're talking to a man who owns ten white socks hats. And, and I get it. How many pairs of Michael yeah, but, Jordan uh, sneakers do you got? Oh man, 
A lot. Yeah, I get yeah, it. I'm yeah. not. Look, I'm not. Uh, the thing is, have you ever enjoyed any hater. sports yeah. at all? I know that I'm a hater. Yeah. No, no. no I, I think... grew up in the Jordan era, so that was just amazing. Too. I was like watching. So you like, you yeah, like my... basketball. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, do no, cop to it, but no. The thing is, not like I don't. I don't. My kids are obsessed with the NBA. Right. They yeah. could tell you every player, all the stats, yeah. all the shit. He used to. Yeah. When he was I'm a like, kid, bro. he would stand on the couch with his hands on his head, screaming at the fucking television. Right. Yeah. I pl- I'm saying I did that during the Jordan era, watching the games, yeah. and I was into it, Scottie Pippen, the whole thing. But I'm saying as I became just more informed about important things in the world. Yeah. I just couldn't understand how like my kids knowing all these stats and shit about like I'm like, yo, you I understand? Think it's like, a way of putting your brain on chewing I, I, gum. I care. It is. Oh, uh, that's what it no, is. No, it then. is. Yeah. It, it, I think it's you much need distraction. Yeah, you it's plug putting your brain into, on chewing gum. If you plug into the news media full time, you you'll go insane. Well, have you also you seen know? sports yeah. debate shows? Those guys are not smart. They're just very smart about that subject of sports. They're not smart. They yeah, don't know anything one, that's going on. There's one we watch. There's, there's, there's one we guys, watch with Max. There's a few guys who are re- Oh, Max, Max Kellerman is sharp a smart as ever. Guy, but, yeah. but, but the my, other guy. And then there's the other guy. The, the other guy. Uh, the the Stephen A. Argue, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they argue back Though, and forth. They're smart. But they're just smart guys arguing, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I understand all that. Over uh, stuff that doesn't yeah. fucking Yes, mean that's anything. my point. It's all irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. It's like arguing about the weather or something. Yeah. Like, I care as much about a sports <laughs> statistic as I do about the color of my shit. Like, yeah. this is irrelevant. It flushed down the toilet. When the game is over, you know, who remembers a play? A day, a day later, two days later, two Assholes days later. like me. Yeah, uh, maybe some highlight. Fan, maybe so. a highlight. But I'm saying, like, yeah. to, they get obsessed with these yeah. stats and the thing. The minutia. And the, yeah. Yes, man. And it's inconsequential to me because it's like, bro, it has no permanence. Yeah. The world is going to end. You have a soul. This How are you not worrying about This is the sanest guy yeah. we've ever well, had. Well, no, I, I totally agree. You I, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And there's the thing about putting your brain on chewing gum. Like, I get that's a great analogy. Yeah. All right. But here's the thing. Like, and this is also how I feel about all of all of opinion, which is why I just think the internet is a well, vortex. You know, okay? artists too. The we go out of our way to create our own world. You know, I mean, to <laughs> is a respite from this world. From this insanity. Know? Yeah, yeah. That's the, basically the point of the art for the artist yeah. making the art is like, I will go crazy if I don't do this. Yeah, right. But 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 here's the point about um, about sports and news and everything else. It's like. Um, <laughs> And I realize that what I'm about to say is precisely what makes me weird to a lot of people, which is that I, I don't think you're weird. Uh, in fact, I think you're like uh, I'd, I'd like to be a little more like you, to be honest. You know, that's a compliment coming from you. Yeah. yeah. But, but as far but as far as my own experience of it, it's like I I I've wrestled with this for a long time, and I get that friends of mine have come to the conclusion that this makes me weird, and they actually kind of like have stopped enjoying hanging out with me because it's like I just have a one track mind. But I, I, I came to this realization, which is that, look, we all want to know. The desire to know is hardwired into us. Yeah. Okay. Know what? Well, everybody wants to know whatever it is they That's want to know. kind of one of the great things about humans, though, is that it's, what separates us from animals isn't opposable thumbs or any of that. It's our desire to know and to create. To create. You were saying this the other night. And, uh, man, I... That's when I think humanity actually stands a fucking chance. So here's my thought on this, okay, is that we all have that. That's just who we are as creatures. We want to know. Yeah. Okay. And I I came to a realization as a teenager. It's like, yo, I want to know the truth. 
I'm not interested in anything but the truth, actually, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And this is the frustrating ex- part of my experience because I'm a public, 100% product of public school education in the United States. I went to Head Start in Chicago when I was three years old. I went to Lene Elementary in the city of Chicago when uh-huh. I was a kid. We moved to Skokie. I went to Fairview North. Then I went mm-hmm. to Fairview South. I went to Niles West High School for high school. I went to UIC, Illinois Chicago Public School for college. I went to University of Minnesota Law School for my law. All public schools. These kids are probably the public schools. Okay. Now, here's what way. I want to say about my experience in public school. Whether they call it this or not, they, they do say it in, in, in law school. But it's, uh, you know, it's all based on a Socratic method, right? Mm-hmm. Qu- answering questions. Uh, excuse me. Asking questions and then the students answer these questions and through dialogue you get to the quote-unquote answer this is yeah. the this is the method of learning mm. but the frustrating part about this is i can't tell you how many hours i would spend in a classroom i stopped going to class for this reason where the whole class discussion is like, so we had a reading all right let's go around the room what did you think about this yeah what did you think i'm like i don't give a shit what you think i don't care what i think i don't care what anybody thinks in this room the fuck does anybody know in this room to talk, comment on Shakespeare. Like, shut the fuck up. I want to learn what is actually real. Can someone tell me what is true? I'm sick of opinion. So I had yeah. I had divorced myself from from being interested in anybody's take, including my own, as a teenager. I was like, I want to know what really is real. And this is what made me so attracted to religion, because religion is the only realm of knowledge that even makes any claim about cosmic transcendent truth. Mm-hmm. Scientists well, can only tell you how something works, what something is. They can't ever tell you why. It's not the domain of science to tell you why. Science is never, scientists are never going to answer for us so it's per- about what is. the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. It's about four questions. What is the origin of being? What is the true nature of human consciousness? What is the purpose of it all? What happens to me after I die? That's the adult conversation happening at the adult table. Enjoy your sports statistics. Yeah. Chew Amen. your gum. Mm. Now, mm. we we got to talk to you about Patriot. Oh, man. What a <laughs> blessing in my life, man. Dumb Amen. luck. Like, Dumb luck. I just, likewise. I feel very grateful and blessed for yeah. that. And Steve Conrad, to me, is a poet. You bet, man. He's a poet. Goddamn genius. Yeah, he's a poet. You know? he, writes, he doesn't write dialogue. He writes lyrics. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, after season one, it's like... I was asking people, where did they find this guy? Yeah. You know? What was that process like? Uh, oh, about me? <laughs> yeah. How did how did you so yeah. easily uh, pick up the the British the British accent, man? Yeah. Well, I've been I've been <laughs> speaking a fake British accent since probably before I've even been to the UK. But then I started going to the UK, touring, doing stand up, and what have you. And before you knew it, I would like fake out the locals. You know what I'm saying? Like I would talk to really? the taxi drivers and what have you. And they, they believe I was from London. I'll be like, yeah. all right, mate. So I knew I could do the accent. And then I actually, sends, J-Wick sends. Jay, it's wonderful. It's I, wonderful. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you something really funny, man. So do you, you guys know who Mo Ammer is? Mo Ammer is like my soul brother, man. We've toured the world together. Uh-huh. He was, he was the, he's the Palestinian comic on the Allah Made Me Funny show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. Around I the world. We toured around yeah. the world. He's got a Netflix special coming out in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Which is really dope. And that's going to blow the guy up like crazy. Cool. So when he and I have tra- traveled the world together. He's one of the funniest people I know. And we figured out at some point, I think it was in New York, but we've, we've now done this all over the world, which is we use our British accents to get late check, unreasonably late checkouts at hotels. 
Because nobody can say no <laughs> to a British accent. <laughs> wow. I know. Yes, hello. And, and you got you to gotta, you gotta make create pressure as well. So, yes, uh, yes I'm, I'm sorry. Can I speak to the front manager, please? <laughs> uh, I'm the manager. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm in quite a, a jam. In fact, I'm in dire straits because my flight has been cancelled and I'm just struggling to get a rebooked because of the time difference. I'm having a difficult time getting hold of my travel agent. Would it be possible, please, if I could stay a little later, maybe like 6 p.m., 7 p.m.? And they'll be like, oh, I can't do that. Like, normally it's like 12, 11 or 12, right? Yeah, yeah. They'll yeah. give you till one without any questions asked. And then I'll be, no, no, please, it's not possible I could do... Four or five p.m. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I can't go any later than two. So I already got two now. Now, well, please, if you could just maybe get an extra hour. Let's call it three. Three o'clock, I promise you I'll be out. All right, no problem. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that probably like awesome. probably Max, at this point. Next awesome. time we need a late checkout in yeah. Europe. In <laughs> just call me on three-way. I do that well, shit for exactly. friends. I do that shit for friends. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Oh, I have friends with comedian friends like yo. You start a business, like get out of a jam. <laughs> the British accent is very powerful, man. It gets into a mm -hmm. taps into a very deep, oh, yeah. subtle psychological yeah. reality. Yeah, they still refer wow. to us as the colonies, so you know they're exactly. kind of apparent. What? Oh, how did you wind queen. up? How did you wind up casting Patriot? Um, how did this I, this job come to yeah, you? Yeah, man. So look, I've been doing stand up for a long time. I'm not really an actor. Um, I don't fancy That's myself. Completely I don't. Untrue. I don't fancy That's myself. That's completely an actor. untrue. There's a huge debate going on between, yeah, between you guys totally about no, no, whether there's no debate. He's a is, fine fucking actor. I, I, be yeah. I believe Thank you, you Dad. That's very kind of you. I'm not trying. This, to me, I, I'm very aware of like false humility. I think it's bullshit. I hope this is not some kind of false humility. No, no, no. This I is mean, genuinely, sincerely how I what I believe and feel because I have so much respect for the craft of acting, and I know great actors. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know that I don't give a shit about acting, so I'm like, I'm a total pretender. Like, I'm yeah, but the thing phony. is, is that I'm a fraud. You have a I lot. Don't know. Nah, I but then they call it natural ability that. or whatever. But I'm yeah. not. I'm, I haven't done the work. You know, what I, mean? I haven't done the uh, putting the. Have. I don't feel. I think you have. Maybe I have through my stand up. You know, it's when you walk out as a stand up and you look out at an audience, you got to be a lot of different people every fucking night. Yeah. Right, right, right. You really well, do. There's, I, I get it, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Right? It's I, like, I get I it. I feel like a I pretender. Get it, but I think, uh, I think that going forward, um, not only your stand-up, but uh, your just essence uh, would be enriched by doing this seriously because you're really good at it. Thank you. Um, I'm, I, mean, I am carrying your advice. The characters in season one that I felt the most for were Keenan. And Dennis and Julian, you know, um, Ichabod, Ichabod, right? Uh, <laughs> Ichabod's and, a great uh, and Cool Rick, man. I mean, those cool are the guys. Is, those are the guys. Yeah, is amazing. From, man. Oh man, he, I'm he's so the greatest. honestly. That's besides getting to work with Steve Conrad, mm -hmm. and then obviously so many wonderful, wonderfully yeah. talented people on the show, you included. But Churnus, and then yeah. getting to do scenes with yeah, Churnus, exactly. He's so good. The well, I like. I love that dynamic. You guys are having the cold one. Uh, I didn't know, by the way, his bio and who he was until like we'd already done a couple scenes that yeah. we're hanging out, yeah. and yeah. then he opens up about going to Juilliard. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Exactly. To, 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 again, and which only reinforced my feelings of being that, a complete fraud. That's like, what I'm you know, saying. I'm that screen, dynamic. No, no. The Juilliard actor and the stand-up. Uh, yeah, like, I, I yeah, get but that. the weird thing, uh, the weird thing is, is that. 
and there were two completely different ways into a role, yeah. and you both fucking nailed and it. And nailed that's that scene. Really, really, that scene you know, is so great. Flattering, um, man. That's extremely flattering. You know, and 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 you I know, mean, my, Michael Chernus. I mean, Michael had some ambivalent feelings about uh, the process of of Juilliard. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So right, right. I mean, well, let me finish my answer to your question about how the role came about. So basically, uh, I had never really considered myself an actor. I never really pursued acting. Um, and for co- stand-up comedians, you know, this is like this perennial discussion among comics because it's like, given the way the machinery of sta- of, of show business works, mm-hmm. if you get really good at stand-up comedy, okay, you wind up in movies. But I'm saying, how Absolutely. are people? But, but even if your goal is to just do stand-up comedy and just do a be a live performing artist, you know, performing artist who tours and sells tickets, yeah, the only way to get those butts in the seats. It's for people to know you exist. Yeah. And the yeah. only way for them to find out about you is you got to, at some point, dabble in TV and film. Yeah. But you, you, even even if it's just in your stand-up, even if you're just doing stand-up on television, you still got to do television. So yeah. being an actor becomes a very obvious option and can only help the stand-up. So on that basis, I you know was like, sure, I'll meet with an agent. Some agents wanted to meet with me. Um, I had done a, a showcase at a... At a comedy thing at uh, Second City and so long story short some agents hit me up and then I took a bunch of meetings and then I ended up at Grossman and Jack at the time which was a Chicago sh- uh-huh, yeah. you're with them as well they're my yeah, 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 Chicago and, Max is here, yeah. and then so then they, they sent me out for uh, and then actually uh, it came through them but really really it was Mickey the casting director who had Mickey seen Pascal, me man she's yeah, the greatest she, she you know? is a fan of mine. She likes my. I stuff. just met her two days ago. Yeah. yeah, she pulled me aside right away. Like she's just very complimentary. She's yeah. a, she's as a big a fan as you are. You know, says all the same stuff like, "Oh my God, you got yeah. it. You got to do it." And blah blah. And blah. you know what, Mickey? So Mickey that, that Pascal, meant a lot Mickey, to me. Mickey Pascal is that that advocate actors have walking into the room. It's like there's never been anybody better in the room. As an ally for an actor, than yeah. Mickey Pascal, I just adore. Her, yeah, you know? so she's she she became a big fan. She, uh, I think, you know, talked up the role to my agents and said, you mm-hmm. know, please have have him come see if he'll come to an audition. And again, I think I was telling you guys this story the other night. Like, man, I'm on such an indie vibe, and honestly, kind of like a fuck Hollywood vibe. Yeah. That I just saw it right away, and I was like, oh, Persian? I'm not Persian. Yeah. And then I was like. Kimon, like, is that even a Persian name? I don't think so. So I was just like, fuck this whole Amazon. Like, I'm not trying to be an Amazon. Like, so I just like shat on the project, even <laughs> though I didn't. I did zero homework. I treated it like it was a garbage local TV ad. You know, like I didn't. It didn't even. So I didn't look into it. I didn't spend any time, and I just turned it down. And then it kind of came back a, almost a month later, and the agent was. And then like, you read the script, right? Yeah. Well, then I then I did some homework. Because the agent was like, they're still looking, blah, blah, blah. You should really consider it. You know, it's going to be a, it's a big budget Amazon project. I was like, big budget Amazon project? Does such a thing even exist? Because it was, yeah, it didn't yeah. exist the at first. the time. Man. Well, it, it not only the, the, first, the man yeah. in the high castle. Yeah, that all came later. Mrs. Mazel's, which is about a stand-up, yes. which is about a woman's stand-up. Which is a great show, and a friend of mine writes on that Absolutely, show. it's awesome. a wonderful Fantastic show, show, man. So I, I th- but the point is, I didn't, I was not, What? how seriously I take Amazon as a player in the game today, I was not on that frequency at that time of the audition. We're talking like 2016, I think, right? Early 2016. Right. Well, 20, 2015, I was in Chirac. Right. Which was Amazon's first movie. Movie. Wow. And, uh... And I knew that they had, 
they were making bigger plans. They, it was, it was well, the writing was on the wall for a while. If yeah, you, well, I mean, if I, I had been paying attention, one, I think they took one look at Netflix and thought, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Well, and they also had the added advantage of being able to see all of the literary content. You know, Amazon is going to be much bigger over time. We're, yeah, we're just we're, we Patriot is one of the early shows for this network. Yeah, but I think that Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. And then YouTube was and and Facebook Watch. I mean, yeah, these these platforms are all so nascent, as they're gonna, but they're, they're radically gonna, altering the landscape. Going of to yeah. dwarf the studios. The Facebook that's, that's is coming happen. up in a really crazy yeah. way because it's like everybody's already on there and they're already involved. It just takes one guy to share that on his timeline and like. Yeah. Your stuff is getting views. I, I think Absolutely. Facebook's very underrated. So anyway, that's what happened, man. So I did the audition when it came back the second time, mm-hmm. and I was excited about it because I did the homework, and I was like, oh, my God, Steve Conrad wrote <laughs> The Pursuit of Happiness? <laughs> he wrote. Yeah, was, so I went in the, when I went and actually did the audition, I took it very seriously. And, um, and then... Um, <laughs> It's okay, Tony. Yeah, his phone's going off. He's trying to act like he, he's hiding under the table. As though, <laughs> no, as no. As do the, 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 the whole table the didn't shake. Can, yeah, as though the listeners Max, can see. it's your mom. I gotta, I gotta text her and tell her we're, you know, doing a podcast. Please tell Michelle I said hi. I certainly will. She says so she sweet, found man. you uh, extraordinarily charming. Oh, so, I'm so happy to hear I that. I said, well, get to know him. You know, <laughs> go out at two in the morning in Paris trying to find an open McDonald's with him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, she strikes me as a very, very grounding person in your life. You know, yeah. absolutely. Oh hey, God, you know yeah. what? She, she and she pushes both of us. So she quite literally saved my life. Wow. Yeah. I was having a heart attack. She calmly walked into the kitchen, got two baby aspirins, chew these up. You know. And uh, that stopped it. You know. And then you went to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, I I told her you know maybe we should call an ambulance. I think I might be having a heart attack. She just very calmly went in the kitchen and gave, gave me the two baby aspirins. And that, that stopped it enough that the, the pressure in my chest was kind of relieved. And I thought, well, maybe it was just gas and I'll just go to work, you know? Yeah, so, you were definitely, even in even as you're getting into that hospital bed, yeah. you go, yeah, I think I know what happened. I think I know what happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to work today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the. Wow. Uh, the uh, Profound denial. Yeah, yeah I was, totally. I, I thought I'd be out three hours later. You know, forty days later, they they sent me home. To, forty days. Yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. you were in the hospital for forty days. Yeah, I had a post-operative infection, and that's actually what damn near killed me. Yeah. Not the five-hour. What, what year was this? Quadruple bypass. It was January fifth, two thousand five. Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, two thousand fifteen. So three years, three and a half years ago. Yeah, January. It's about to be four, almost come January. Wow. Yeah, three and a half years ago. Yeah, you feel like you have a new lease on life. Oh yeah, you? amen, amen. And I'll tell you, the guy who pulled me out of the grave was Steve Conrad. He'd been my collector since two thousand four. Yeah, he smuggled him and Max smuggled my dogs in the hospital because I was yeah. depressed. I had yeah, seen yeah. my Hell dogs, yeah. Hell yeah. and I, I was coming to the realization I've been out of my studio for. A month and a half. There's no way financially I can keep my printmaking shop. I knew I was going to lose that, and, and I resigned myself to the fact that I might lose my whole studio, you know. But at least I'm not dead, you know. So Steve walks in and he hands me a check for twenty thousand dollars. He says, 
I want a couple drawing collages. Uh, I don't I don't know which ones. There are three or four I got my eyes on. And as he's walking out, he goes, oh, by the way, I, I need you healthy in three and a half months. Patriots a go. Wow. And, man, this, like, put a spring in my step and made me determined to get healthy. And I lost 80 pounds. <laughs> and Wow. Uh, yeah. And, what and, were you at the max weight? Uh, three sixty, and uh, and you lost, and you're down eighty from that number. Yeah, so you're two eighty. No, I'm about two ninety, but that wow. floats back and forth, you know. Yeah, three sixty uh, at the height, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, was... you know, I I didn't I I don't I don't realize now even now how I could not have seen myself and not realize you were perilously heavy and. Uh, so now I'm I'm trying to lose another fifty, and uh, and you were a boxer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, how much did you weigh when you were boxing? Eighty-five pounds ago, you know, uh, about two hundred pounds, one ninety-two hundred. What? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. What was the age so, you officially wow. stopped? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Dude, so, so, dude, we, your life. Uh, how has no one made a documentary about? Uh, you know, Steve Conrad too many, gil- too many actually guilty, had a uh, too many guilty parties. <laughs> hey man, you know? time time for it all to come out, buddy. No, come on, let's get. So so, dude, season two, Kimon. <laughs> We're, you know, this is coming out in November. He makes an appearance. Yeah. A couple, and, he makes uh, a couple of appearances. Cool. Uh, after a pretty thorough ass kicking in uh, season one. Uh, yeah. But man, I was I was so glad to see him return. And the man who plays your dad. Oh, Nick. Nick oh, Nick. Dude, Nick oh, is man. so dope. You know, he came to see my one man show when we were, when we were filming. Okay, now by the way, there's an important. Uh, Personal story related to the season production. one. You damn near died. Exactly. Yeah. What happened car. to you? So August tenth, two thousand sixteen, and this is and, and before I even go further on the story of the accident, keep in mind that I had been working on a one man show which was scheduled to open September sixth. Wow. So less than a month before that, I was at an open mic <clears throat> in Chicago at the CIC Theater on mm. Irving Park in Southport. Did my set. God, we used to live right up there. Yeah. yeah, did my set. Walked across Irving Park to the 7-Eleven. Was walking back, and um, it was a Wednesday night, and there was a Cubs night game that, that it just let out. Because that's like yeah. North Wrigleyville, Reg- you know? Yeah. And so there's more traffic than usual, people walking around, whatever. I walked to the middle of the street, because there's no cars coming. And as I'm waiting for an opening, as I'm waiting, it's not me. No, as it's... I'm as I'm waiting for an opening, mine's on air, air, airplane mode because I always do that before. Yeah, he he refuses to let me touch his phone. No, no, it's, it's not me. It's not yeah. me that's that's buzzing. It, not me either. Was it? Oh, yeah, it was fucking yeah. me. Wow. Youngin. Yeah, you like youngin. Yeah, yeah, you should. You, you should know? be apologizing to both yeah. of us right now. I am so yeah. Yeah. sorry. I am sorry, old dude. man. Disrupted, I feel like an you idiot. You disrupted my death experience. Yeah, I okay. really did. Keep, keep up with And I blamed story. my so father. I'm crossing the street to go back uh, to CIC. My friends are like, you know, I'm coming back because a bunch of my friends are up later in the show. The the front of CIC is just a big open window. So there, and the way the room is laid out is the com- comedians performing with their back to the street. So everybody's looking at the comedian, but you can see the street behind them. 
So I'm waiting in the middle of the street to, cl- to cross, and then cars start coming, you know, the other way. So now I'm literally caught in traffic, like in between. Yeah. And I'm very carefully looking, and I'm looking at the Southport light, which is green. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, all right, either I can try to find a spot and book it and, you know, make it. Or I can be patient and be wa- and be on the safe side right? and just wait it out. The light's going to change in about 30 seconds, and I will safely cross. And I have this conversation with myself, and I, I conclude, like, you know what? Let me be patient, and let me be a responsible adult. And as I had that thought, maybe a couple seconds later, some dude going the other way. In other words, the way I'm, I'm looking to the right, right, waiting for right. opening. Dude who's coming the other way just veered into the middle. Old 77-year-old man driving an SUV, and he just came on the double lines and just clipped me. So I got hit on my knee. I went on his hood. I think my head hit his windshield. I blacked out at some point. He pumps the brakes. I went flying through the air, which friends of mine saw happen. Oh, God. And then came face down on the concrete. Now describe yourself to the the people who are listening. You're a big man. I'm about 6'2", 235 yeah. At that time, probably 245. How long were you in the hospital, man? This is the miraculous thing, man. So I thought I was dead when it happened. My experience of it was like, oh, shit, I'm dead. I died. Because I just blacked out for like a wow. little while. Then when I come to and I realize, like, oh, no, no, I'm not dead. Like, I'm still wow. here. I'm fucked up. Yeah, I'm Holy fucked up, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm, just, I'm still here. So that was the beginning of, honestly, like, a domino that it, that, my life is still unfolding very much from that from that magic moment. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I get uh, rushed to the hospital and I end up having some minor fractures. My, my skull is cracked over here, left eye socket, cheekbone, uh, broke, a la- broke a bone, uh, l- literal lateral tibia fracture on my left leg, broke a couple, uh, ripped, ripped a couple tendons on my, on my knee, on my knee um, MCL tear, PCL tear, like yeah. what, some, some injuries, right? Yeah. But... Here's the headline. Three days later, no surgeries, no cast. What? Walked out on two crutches to the car, went home three days later. No, it gets crazier. I think about, want about, a week la- about a week later, started driving from displays into the city and doing three, four-hour rehearsals for my one-man show, and then was walking on my own two feet and opened the show September 6th. Wow, Holy man. shit. It's fucking awesome. Unbelievable experience in my life, man. Now, wait a minute. And then you wound up going back to, was it Prague oh. in Patriot? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And they had to reschedule production dates because I was, I was scared. This happened on a Wednesday, the accident. I had scenes filming that Saturday. Oh, So this shit. disrupt the whole production schedule, man. It was a big deal. Which is why everybody in the set kind of knew this thing happened because it required a lot of you know new work people had to do stuff they yeah. had been prepping yeah, for yeah. costume scene you know set design this that I don't even know how it impacted. I know me. in September I wound up uh, in the swamp for the you know the campfire scene at the end of season one. I forgot you were there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like really fun. Where did you guys shoot that? They had been, uh, I think, Palest Woods in the in. The, you know, there's a really beautiful forest preserve out there. I mean, really gorgeous. It's really weird also because I haven't done a lot of television, man. So it's weird to me to watch a thing that I'm now also kind of a fan. Of. I am a fan of. I'm a yeah. huge fan of the show. And then it's like, uh, oh, that's right. Like, I, I got well, a personal you know connection what? to this Honestly, thing. Honestly, we're on the best show on television. You really believe that, huh? Yeah, absolutely. 
It's a work of art. After the second you know. season drops, it's going yeah. to be. You're, I mean, look. I, you know, I, he got to amazing. see most of season two. It was very difficult two. for me. Uh, you, were, you were working on it. Yeah. 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 It was uh, It was an awesome time. I, I, I have a very hard time, man, being objective about things like. And even best. See, best, it's different than favorite to me. Back, back, back to the most. Back to the most. Uh, just, most just, opinion is irrelevant to okay. me. The most conversations. You watch and the whole first season. Are people conflating best with favorite? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. watch the whole first season, right? Yeah. What did you think when it was done? Um, I thought it was incredible, but I, and I also felt like it's a very, it's like a Wes Anderson esque type it's, vibe. It's you know. So it's people... like the same way that Wes Anderson is incredible to me. But it's also kind of like you know he's not everybody's taste. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's a very I think I think Patriot is a, 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 in showbiz speak it's a quirky show. I think Steve Conrad cast a much wider net. I hope the, so than the Coens or Wes Anderson, because I think there's well, see, genuinely genuinely brilliant stuff at work there. Bro, he's a poet. It's I'm poetic, agreeing with you. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And the songs, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, grossly underappreciated aspect of the show. Well, they're gonna make a Wait whole soundtrack of those, okay, right? He's... They've already recorded it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. recorded it in Nashville. Wow. So okay, so this is gonna become another real. Deal. Look, I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic, but I just I don't want to get excited about it. No, thing. yeah, no, no, no. Obviously, man, like I'm I consider myself so lucky to have just stumbled Buddy, into you and me a recurring role. I, yeah, on hey, such do a me a favor. Show. I have do one more thing, yeah. if I because I could sense you're about to wrap up. Yeah, I was wondering if you could talk about socks or, or at all, or if that's um, that's a low key thing. It is low key right now. Okay. I can just say this much about it. Okay, you know, um, socks at the moment is just a real early stage. Indie project. Okay. That, uh, Will you promise we to come to... back and talk with us again? Oh my! More about me? It? At your yeah. service. As okay. it, yeah, please. At this your has service. been Tony Fitzpatrick, sir. <laughs> happy to have you. I don't think you, you understand man. how the fact that you are, you know, you are what we have left of Studs Terkel. Oh my God! Oh That's shit! High praise. And, and uh, uh, you know, I never I'm got to meet him. I love the man. I never got to meet him. I never got to spend time. In You'd his have company. liked him, and he'd have liked you. I hope that that's true. I believe that that's true. And so my point is, you know, the way I've learned religion and studied philosophy and studied things that really matter to me is about being spending time in the company of the great. Of the greats, of the oh, teachers. Man. And then you took so much from him. Azar Usan, it's good to have you. <laughs> it's good to have you on the Max and Tony show. <laughs> Kid, take us out. All right. Thank you, Azar. Thank you, Thank you for having me, guys. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 51st episode. 51. By- 51. Wow. 51. Wow. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Chris Pat. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. Absolutely. Yulia Kuznetsova, Jet Levant. Yes, we are showing those two artists. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions to ask Max or Tony? Then go to themaxandtonyshow.com. Tune in next time for our 52nd episode. You bet. (laughs) All right. Cool.